Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at bab.bc.pc at gmail.com. All right, ladies, today we are looking at the second half of chapter 8 through chapter 13 of 2 Kings. It can be a bit confusing, so I'm going to try my best to make sense of these passages for you. The non-Jewish nation is Syria. It can also be called Aram, and it is on the northeast side of Israel. We just learned yesterday that Hazael has become king of Syria because he suffocated the king Ben-Hadad. We then have the northern ten tribes of Israel, and at this time Joram, which sometimes is called Jehoram, is king. He's the son of Ahab. I'm going to call him J.A. because son of Ahab. In the southern tribe of Judah, Jehoshaphat was king, But now his son Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, is king of Judah. He began to reign. He also can be called Joram. Ugh! So we're going to call Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, JJ. Thankfully, there is usually a last name that's attached to describing who the king is. So this king of Judah only reigned for eight years, JJ. Because he walked in the way of the king of Israel, the northern tribes, as the king of Ahab and Jezebel did. Because, verse 18, the daughter of Ahab was his wife. Ahab, one of the most wicked kings of Israel, his daughter is now the king of Judah's wife. And therefore that brought the king of Judah to do evil in the sight of the Lord. If you remember at the end of 1 Kings chapter 22:44, King Jehoshaphat of Judah made peace with the king of Israel. And it seems one way he did that was by allowing his son to marry King Ahab's daughter. This ends up bringing Judah down to Israel's level. Then in verse 19 of 2 Kings it says, "Yet Yet, 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 the Lord would not destroy Judah for David, his servant's sake. There is also a non-Jewish nation named Edom. It's the southeast side of the Jordan River. At this time, Edom revolted from being a vassal of Judah, and they stopped paying taxes. Judah tried to attack, but they lost, and Edom won. So then another place called Libna revolted. It was also another border area. Well, Joram, king of Judah, J.J. died, and his son Ahaziah reigned in his place. We'll call him A.J. So now we have Joram, son of Ahab, as the king of Israel. We call him J.A. Ahaziah is the king of Judah. We'll call him A.J. And then Hazael is the king of Syria. But Ahaziah only reigned one year in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Athaliah, the daughter of Omri, the king of Israel. Again, there is intermarriage between Judah and Israel. And Omri was Ahab's father. So we're looking at Ahab's sister. 
while the king of Judah and the king of Israel joined forces again against Hazael, the king of Syria, and they fought at Ramoth-Gilead, which was that border town. The Syrians wounded Joram, the son of Ahab, the king of Israel, J.A., we call him. So he retreated back to Jezreel, another town, since he was wounded. So then the king of Judah, Ahaziah, we call him A.J., went back to Jezreel in order to check up on him. In chapter 9, we see Elisha now comes on the scene. He sends a young prophet to hurry and take this box of anointing oil to go to Ramoth-Gilead. This is where the war was going on, but where the kings were not. Elisha told him to speak to Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, in private, and then anoint him with oil and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and run out of there right away. So he did. Then Jehu came downstairs to the other fighting men and they asked if everything was okay. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, I have been anointed king over Israel. And the men put down their garments and blew their trumpets and shouted, Jehu is king. Jehu left the war. He rode his chariot to Jezreel because that's where King Joram was. Both kings, the king of Israel and the king of Judah, came out to meet him. And the king, Joram of Israel, asked, Is there peace? And he answered, What peace, so long as your wicked mother's ways are so many in Israel? Jehu then killed Jehoram, king of Israel, and his body was thrown into the plot of land where Ahab killed and stole a vineyard. 1 Kings 21, 1-24 then Jehu killed the king of Judah as he fled, and he died in Megiddo. His servants took his body back to Jerusalem and buried him with his fathers. Jehu then came back to Jezreel and had Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, killed by being thrown out of a window, and horses trampled her. They went out to bury her, but all that was left of her was her skull, her feet, and palms of her hands just as Elijah had prophesied that the dogs would eat her flesh. Now Ahab had 70 sons in Samaria, the capital city, so Jehu wrote letters to the leaders of the city. And then those men killed Ahab's sons and sent their heads back to Jehu. Then Jehu finished killing off all of Ahab's family, which Elijah had said would happen in 1 Kings 21, 17-24. Jehu then kills some relatives of Ahaziah, king of Judah, and then he kills all the prophets of Baal and those that worship Baal, and he then burned all the idols of Baal and the house of Baal, and he removed it out of Israel. What he did not do was remove the two golden calves that the first king of Israel made and put in Bethel and Dan in order to keep the northern tribes from going down to Jerusalem to worship. That also was idolatry. The Lord told Jehu that since he removed Baal from Israel, he would have four generations sit upon the throne of Israel. But, verse 31 of chapter 10, But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all of his heart. 
for he did not depart from the sins of idolatry to the golden calves, which King Jeroboam, the first king, did, which made Israel to sin. At about this time, Israel became smaller, largely due because Hazael of Syria was taking their land, especially all of the land on the east side of the Jordan River, which used to belong to the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. Jehu reigned over Israel 28 years and died and was buried in Samaria. His son Jehoahaz became king. Now Ahaziah, the king of Judah, the southern tribe, he was killed by Jehu. So Athaliah, Ahaziah's mom, rose up and killed all of the royal sons, all except for one that she missed. Ahaziah's sister took the youngest son, who should be about one year old, Joash, and they hid in the house of the Lord in the temple for six years. So for a short time, six years, Judah had a wicked queen. On the seventh year, the priest Jehoiada sent for the rulers and the captains of the guard, and they came to the house of the Lord. He made a covenant with them and then revealed the king's son, and they guarded the Lord's house. He then brought out the king's son, put the crown on his head, gave him the testimony, and made him king and anointed him. They all clapped and shouted, God save the king! When the queen saw it, she ripped her clothes and cried out, Treason! Treason! And the captains removed her from the temple and killed her by the king's house. This is chapter 11, verse 16. It wasn't right to kill the queen in the temple. The priest then made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people. The people then went into the house of Baal and tore it all down. And then they brought the king to his throne. And he was just seven years old when he began to reign. So in Judah, we have Joash and his name can also be Jehoahash. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba, the southernmost part of Judah. And this young king reigned for 40 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord all his days when Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Chapter 12, verse 2. Yay! Woohoo! All right! But, oh, the high places were not taken down because the people still gave sacrifices there. By this time, the temple needed repair work. So the king initiated a fund in order to bring about the restoration of the temple. Then we see that Hazael of Syria had taken a city called Gath, and he then had plans of taking Jerusalem. But King Jehoash, the king of Judah, gave Hazael gold and treasures found in the temple and in the treasury, and Hazael went away from Jerusalem. We then see that two of the king's servants killed him, we find out the reason in our next two books, Second Chronicles 24, 17 through 26. And it's because he began to worship idols, which probably means that the priest had died. And Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. 
the passage then switched back to the northern tribes of Israel, where Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, reigned 17 years and did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because of his sin, the sin of the king's fathers, Israel became a vassal to Hazael, king of Syria. But because Hazael brought such oppression to Israel, Jehoahaz, the king, sought the Lord. Then verse 5 of chapter 13 says, And the Lord gave Israel a savior or a deliverer and were freed from the hand of the Syrians. This may have been the Assyrian king who was beginning to rise in power and was becoming a threat to Syria. But we don't know for sure. King Jehoahaz died and was buried in Samaria and Joash, his son, reigned in his place. So now we have Joash, king of Judah, we can call him JJ, and Jehoahash, the son of Jehoahaz, to reign Israel, we'll call him J.I. He also did evil in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the ways of evil like the first king of Israel, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Then he died and was buried in Samaria, so his son Jeroboam II sat upon the throne. Before Joash, king of Israel, died, Elisha became sick and was about to die. The king came and visited and cried out, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. This was what Elisha cried when the Lord took up Elijah in a whirlwind. This is found in 2 Kings 2.12. It seems that the king thought Israel's power rested on Elisha and he never realized it rested on the Lord God of Israel. Elisha said, Take your bow and arrow, and they both put their hands on it. And he opened the window, and the king shot the arrows, and Elisha told the king he would overcome the Syrians. Then he had him to take the arrows and hit the ground with them. The king did it three times, which upset Elisha because he wished he would have done it more times. The king of Israel will overcome Syria three times. And Elisha died and they buried him. Hazael, king of Syria, continued to oppress Israel. But the Lord was gracious, chapter 13, verse 23, and had compassion and respect on Israel. And because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he would not destroy them or cast them from his presence, dot, 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 yet. Hazael, king of Syria, died. His son, Ben-Hadad, we'll call him Ben-Hadad II, reigned in his place. Jehoash beat Syria three times and recovered some of the cities of Israel, just like Elisha said. What we see in this passage is the king of Israel's continually did evil in the eyes of the Lord because the very first king set up golden calves, idols of worship, in two places in order to keep the people from going to the southern tribe to worship in Jerusalem at the temple. But the Lord is gracious to his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What we also see is that Judah began to do evil because the kings affiliated and intermarried with the northern tribes and their idolatrous ways. But again, God was gracious to them because of the covenant with King David, the Lord's servant. The main world threat 
Hazael, king of Syria, dies, and this paves the way for an even bigger threat to arrive, which we will see tomorrow. For us ladies, the first question to ask is who are we associating with? Are there people who bring us down to their level, or are there people who encourage us to become more like God? This then leads us to how are you walking? And I don't mean, did you get your steps in today? Although that is important. How are you walking? Is it in a way that is pleasing to the Lord? Point three is that God is gracious. He is so gracious, ladies. When we turn to him, he's ready with open arms. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, in chapter seven, it says that Jesus is our high priest. Therefore, he is able to completely save those who come to him because he always lives to intercede for us. He always lives right now. He lives to intercede for us. Just like the king of Judah, Jehu, did well as long as the priest Jehoiada was in his life. Well, Jesus, the great high priest, he lives forever. He's not going anywhere and he completely saves those who come to him. And he lives to intercede for us. We have someone who has our back, ladies. We have someone who understands. We have someone who loves us. We have someone who's fighting for us. So let's turn to him today. Let's walk in his ways. Ladies, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Let's be women who obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.